Welcome to the Dead Format, episode 98. My name is Ian McEwen, and I'm joined tonight by the legacy Brad Pitt master, Thomas Smiley. And we're here to talk about legacy. I had such a good time this weekend on the legacy pit. I want to thank Travis and everybody else who I played against. Uh, it it got a little sloppy, but it was so much fun. <laughs> yeah, I was there for probably the first hour. I was enjoying it a lot, man. You got quite a few subs, quite a few shots. What were you drinking? Uh, so it was just Tito's. Uh, Tito's and, and some seltzer water. But uh, by the end of the night, somebody gifted 25 subs at the same time. <laughs> um I yeah, like the first the first hour I thought I played okay, but it steadily just decreased as the night went on and uh it was still fun, but that was not and not any tight technical play in any sense of the word. But that Bant opposition deck was so much fun to play. Uh it, unless I was playing against that Grixis, Grixis deck that literally I couldn't do anything against. Yeah, but. for sure. I saw those matches and I saw it. Dude, you brought a lot of decks. You actually put in a lot of work. You were playing like Black Green Titan with like Field and Delicate. You want to know what's funny? What's up? That all of those, all that work was done Saturday morning. Oh, Because I course. woke up in the morning. I hadn't done anything to prepare. I was like, oh no. Uh, I have Death and Taxes and Burn ready, but I need to do something else. So I put out the call to our Discord and uh, we, I got hit up with a few lists. So, um... We, we got the Doomsday deck, which I'm so pumped. I did not screw up playing Doomsday on stream. I actually killed with Doomsday. Nice. Um, but yeah, all of those came from our Discord, so thank you guys. Nah, dude, I appreciate the hustle. Obviously, like, you know, you had some, some proxies, but that takes a lot of work too, man. I proxied up decks, and, like, it's no joke having to cut out and print everything. Yeah, I wish I had a color printer. But with the situation the way that it was, I wasn't going to be able to get to a card store to pick up the extra cards I needed, and uh, and I wasn't going to go get color copies. So yeah, yeah, we made sure. the best of the situation. Well, you were the uh, obvious MVP this week for the wonderful content, and thanks again to the guys at the pit. But the other MVP, I shared with you in chat. I didn't share this with you earlier because I wasn't sure he was actually going to do it, but... My friend Kramer, who I've talked about recently as getting me into Pauper on Moto and now playing Casual Legacy on Moto, he started listening to the Dead format. And I just assumed he meant like listening to the most recent episode, but he actually went to episode one and he is now in episode 85 three weeks later. That's crazy. He'll catch up just in time for episode 100. Bro, how I, crazy is that? I, I couldn't do that. Kramer, I, I don't know how crazy you are, but listening to Ian and I for a, almost 100 episodes straight would drive me mental. Especially with me, it was pointed out to me on Twitter that apparently at some point during the stream I said zero wasn't an even number. Yep. And I'm waiting for somebody to be like, give him a break. He's not a math guy. <laughs> um, but but there's, a, there's a recording of me saying that somewhere. There's and, one on uh, this podcast too. I feel embarrassed. I absolutely feel embarrassed. Oh, <laughs> then it might have been from the podcast. If I said that on the podcast, uh, that's where gotcha. uh, that's where that tweet came from. Yeah, bro. That was a that was a classic from a while back. But yeah, dude. So I told Kramer when he catches up, we can eventually get him on an episode because I think he represents an un 
untapped segment of the community and we can talk about this later but i think it's going to be kind of a different episode in the future near future okay so uh yeah i i want to i want to hear that conversation for sure yeah man also i feel like i dropped the ball because last week should have been our mother's day episode but we got a little distracted with having travis in so i'm going to dedicate you forgot to tell everybody what you found in the box what we, oh the box of cards for my mom's yeah, the, house the mother's day your mom moving come on tell us about <laughs> it so you found your bazaar right nope no nope, the bazaar was not there although the other cards in the deck were there so that really does not bode well for me uh it, i was playing bazaar in a honest straight up blue red counter burn deck because i was a scrub but well you I, had uh, hammer hammer of bogardane right i had hammers like... i had kindles yep. I had a few like little ways to leverage it, but nothing big, nothing worth that card disadvantage. But I also in the box there was a Miri's Guile, which is nice. There was uh, a bunch of Tron lands and uh, you know random shit like that stuff that's worth like a few bucks. And there was a psionic entity that I had altered with a picture of Kurt Cobain because it taps to kill itself. It's pretty awkward. I guess yep. I was like an edgy boy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was not okay. my proudest moment finding <laughs> that card. On, on to bigger and better things. Yeah, dude. So in honor of Mother's Day, obviously we got a ban this week. The Den Mother, Luris, rest in peace. The the mother, honorary mother, motherfucker, right? Luris, rest in peace. Yeah, I'm... I think everybody expected Luris to go. Um, I think that a lot of people were probably looking for the whole mechanic to get hit because maybe we're just going to be in for some 80-card, four-color snow control mirrors with um, Strix and Coatl and Snapcaster getting blinked by the 80-card commander. I I don't know what world we're going to be living in, but... um, yeah, I think those the Luris definitely needed to go. The red white commander probably did, and um, I think there are some people who who still think we have a little little ways to go with cards like Astrolabe and maybe some of the other commanders if everything continues. Yeah, well, my only experience with Luris was that wish deck the the week that I decided to give it an honest go, and yep. someone reached out to me when I when I started talking about the wish deck. Uh, offering their suggestions and to play some games on Modo, which I really appreciated. And we struck up a good conversation and he's a Modo grinder. So we decided to have him on the cast. It is Connor Fulce this week. What's going on, Connor? What's up, man? How you doing? So you're Lomer boy, you're flying whales. What, what, how do people know you? That is, those are both me. I'm Lomer boy on Twitch. I stream occasionally and then flying whales on magic online. Um, I've played Four Color Loam for a long time, like pre-Deathrite Shaman era. I don't know, it's probably like around four years or so. And I've sort of, by mistake, become the admin of that Facebook group and like the, the face of the deck now, which is not really ever my intention, but I'm also a social guy, so I guess here we are. I'm very excited to be here. I've listened to your guys' podcast for ages. Uh, you don't so, have to say that, been, man. <laughs> it's true. It's been this has been a goal of mine for the longest time. Like I love Pat and Jerry. They've had me on twice. 
but this uh, is uh, uh-uh. this has been a goal for me for sure. So I'm stoked. Well, Rock we're pumped roll. to have you. I remember when you were on Leaving a Legacy, you gave a shout out to our podcast, and that's when we were really new. And I was like, yeah, somebody, somebody said our name, so I remember that. And Dude, I I'm actually really remember sorry. exactly when that was. That was when you recorded with Adam when I was gone because I, I remember listening to that in Miami. Was it? Yep. Okay. That's pretty um, wild. I forgot that was you, Connor. Yep, that's me. That's same, awesome. Same guy. I um, and I apologize for not being able to play that Living Wish Lyris deck, but from the from the sound of it. They were pretty anti-companion until they broke it out and just rolled me with it. <laughs> so I got I got hustled. I didn't have a companion deck ready. I would have, and uh, I got abused on stream. Well, Connor, you really you picked it out well, man. Waiting for episode ninety-eight because this is an episode we're not putting you through the the paces at all, bro. There are no no results that we're going to be going over this week because I know lame duck. Lame duck meta. Nobody cares about the results. We got the biggest legacy news since Ren got banned or Death Rating Probe got banned. Or it, this, this seems like a pretty common recurrence, actually, but you got a ban episode, bro. I do indeed, yeah. it's. Uh, I will say it's better than nothing, but it's almost like... I don't know. I read, the, I read between the lines on this one, and I kind of think it's like Wizards saying, we're going to fix companions eventually and take care of it for you, but we need to sell the Coria packs, so in the meantime, here's like a cookie to hold you over. That's kind of how I feel yeah. about this ban. Yeah, so let, let's go over it for everybody. I think I think they've sort of pieced it together by now, but just in case anyone hasn't heard, Luris got the axe, also in Vintage for what it's worth, hard banned in Vintage, uh, hard banned That's in Legacy. That's the first in Scheherazade, right? Yeah, yeah, I put that on the show notes because it was pissing me off that people were saying the first card ever get banned in Vintage, more powerful than Ancestral Recall, Black Lotus. Because it's like, come on. It's it's the mechanic, not the card. The card is powerful, but it's the mechanic, really, right? Like, they, they could have amended mm. it. I So I think it's a combination of both. Obviously, if you change the mechanic... And you don't let it function the way that it does, where you always have access to it in your opening hand, then yeah, it's obviously not as powerful. But when you're talking about the card as printed, I I mean, this card is that powerful. Oh, I, I understand. I, I yeah, I understand what you're saying. I'm just saying like the the distinction between banned and restricted is sort of okay. moot for this card because it restricts itself by nature of the mechanic. Yep. So so it's kind of dumb to say, oh, they couldn't even restrict it. They just had to ban it because they couldn't restrict it, right? That's, that's okay. I guess, what I was... I didn't put that very well, but that's what I was trying to say. I completely agree with that. So also Zerda got the axe, which you had said, I believe, Tom, was your prediction that it would be Luris and Zerda getting the axe. And yeah, uh, you were correct. Um, I'm glad they took that action. And those were the only actions they took. And we can dive into exactly what they said about each of the cards, but the notable absence really was Arkham's Astrolabe, right? Right. And I I think that they probably just didn't want to take too many um too many cards out of the metagame at the same time. And they wanted to see what was gonna happen. But I, I think that what we're just gonna see happen is four color snow basic heavy astrolabe decks and um that really revolving the revolving the metagame around it so which which um, is the the big astrolabe deck right now right right 
yep. for for people who might not be aware. That's like the deck that probably most abuses Astrolabe. A lot of decks are abusing it and any, anything playing Oko, but really the the question we'll have to answer, I guess, is what decks would play those cards and not play Orion, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, um, you you have some issues with that card as a commander going up going up to 80 cards is definitely like it's not the best but in those decks in legacy you have so much redundancy with your cantrips and even your like value two drops you have 12 excellent value two drops where eight of them are kind of like identical cards i don't want to say that coadal and, and strix are identical but they're 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 close enough and building an 80 card shell out of that that actually has synergy with the flicker mechanic is um like it's all it's all packaged together. So Yeah, it certainly seems that way. So for Luris, what what they said was collectively and by the way, this was Ian Duke getting the byline on this. So they the subtle unban in this announcement was bylines in the B and R and Ian Duke coming back. Collectively, Luris decks represent an increasingly large portion of the metagame with several variants containing win rates above 55% in Magic Online League play. Matchup data indicates that metagame forces alone are not sufficient to keep these decks in check. So basically, with Deathrite Shaman, they cited over 50%. With Ren, they cited 53%. Now they're citing over 55% with Luris. So obviously it was as broken as people thought, right? Yeah, I would be curious to see the numbers. Like, how much more than 55% in non-mirrors? But, I mean, like, that's that's probably good enough. Yeah. How do you feel about Luris getting the axe, Connor? I mean, I think it definitely needed to happen. I would have preferred the mechanic to go, because I think eventually it will. Um, I just don't like adding an eighth card to your hand for Legacy. It just seems like it's too much. Um... I guess the good news is Lourdes and Zerda were clearly the most, the best ones and the most busted ones and the ones that were the most consistent. So now, you know, the metagame's obviously going to be Yorion Snow as the top dog, but the good news is that it's an 80-card deck, so you have strategies like Dredge and Post and other things that are classically good versus uh, control decks. And because there's 80 cards, that deck is going to see its sideboard hate less often. So I guess I don't think it's going to be as dominating as Loris Delver was for Legacy because I think stuff like Dredge is still going to be pretty good against it. That's yeah. a really good point. Yeah, dude, we're on the same wavelength there for sure. I just want to hit Zerda real quick before we get on to that discussion. Um, the Because I thought it was actually interesting what they wrote about Zerda and the peek into the data. So they said, we're seeing very high win rates among decks using Zerda as a companion in combination with Monolith. While not yet widely played, Magic Online metagame data indicates that these decks would become problematic in both win rate and metagame share. So I I think breaking that down is even though the data doesn't support it yet, we're afraid that this will be the next thing to happen, so we're going to pre-ban it. Which is great, right? I mean, sure. Like I think that everybody like everybody would have picked this deck up next to try to break it. And if the data they had showed like, hey, this is still a very, very, very good deck, let's just hit both of these at once. Well, I'm so glad so. that you said that because my my point was going to be that I don't think everybody would have picked it up. I think they just would have not played because I think that that style has to appeal to you, right? Because 
why are we playing Moto right now, really, right? It's not like, um, I mean, some people are grinding out trophies, some people are grinding out tickets, but like if, if you're just uh, playing for fun, playing because you enjoy the format, and you don't enjoy that style of deck, and that deck is really good, you're just not going to play, right? So I think it's really hazardous for that reason, too. Okay, I, I can get behind that. And Because the way that they worded it is like, it's going to pick up in, in metagame share. And I think in the winner's metagame share, it would have, but in the overall metagame share, like I just would never play that deck, right? So, okay. Yeah, I think they have to base all of their, their decisions around sort of like the winner's metagame and, and yeah. what's at the top. So. 100%. So yeah, it makes sense, and I'm glad to see it go. It's it's even though it looks like a mid range deck, it's a force check deck. So that's that's never healthy to be too good of a deck, right? You need to have at least a thirty percent fail rate. And from what I heard, they didn't have quite that. Yeah, and you can even play it in like the Jeskai Guy shells, like we saw with using it as like a Splinter Twin esque finisher. Yeah, um, so it, it wasn't it wasn't just a one trick pony deck. It wasn't just the red white deck. There are multiple shells that could use that combo bro what are you picking right now dream foils uh no i'm not picking dream foils why uh, can you hear me clicking yeah i got rid of my mechanical keyboard no no i thought it was a mouse click it, it is a mouse click oh so i have i have two computers set up right now um and oh, I might shit. Be, yeah yeah I'll, I'll take a picture and i'll post it on twitter but i had my um, my graduate class start today and I have my setup for school that I sort of kept going where I have one computer in front of the other. And that's what, that's what we're going with right now. Not I graduated by the way, they sent me an email like, congratulations, you now have a master's, but I still have my summer classes to finish. Congrats, bro. That's awesome. Yep. Ra- that's round of applause for everybody. What'd you call it? My COVID graduation. I literally had no idea. I opened up my email and they're like, congratulations, you've graduated. So, <laughs> there, there we go. It's awesome, bro. Well, congrats. So yeah, Connor, I know you, you're chomping at the bit to discuss the meta. Tom's giving us a little bit of his thoughts. So you guys seem to both be on this this uh, y- uh, Orion, Oko, Snow, Hell scenario, right? The, the best deck being the, the Orion 80 card deck or the deck that beats that deck, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's just going to be where people start, and I think it's going to end up as the best deck because it was already putting up results even when Zerta and Loris were around. I mean, the biggest issue is Astrolabe. Um, I think that card's, like, particularly egregious because it breaks a lot of rules of magic that have been around forever. Like, having a one-mana thing that cycles itself that also fixes mana and allows you to play five colors with only basic lands is too much, in my opinion. And And they should have banned it months ago. But it's still around, and that means that now you get an 8th card in your starting hand that interacts with a lot of your deck. And because you play so many cantrips like Brainstorm and Ponder and Astrolabe, 80 cards isn't like the worst thing for that kind of deck to be doing. And so I think it's just going to be where people start. But I do think it's easier to hate on than Loris, which was just absurd in a lot of ways. So Yeah, I had... Uh, it's And it's not just all that. There are like subtle interactions with the fact that it's an artifact permanent and it's synergy with Oko and and other things that like that all of those things put together just make it kind of an egregious card for the format taking wasteland and blood moon away is like the pillar mana denial obviously it was not as bad as Luris 
So if cards that needed to go, they sort of went today. But I wouldn't be surprised if in the next cycle we see we see Astrolabe go and the comments will be exactly what Connor said. Yeah, we talked a little bit last week about the the con- the concept of like having to revisit this banning companions and how that's going to be a bad look for them. So I'm not surprised they hit Zerda because they don't want to go back to that well. But I think they're going to be really hesitant to go back and ban like individual companions after this, right? Like if they have to ban Yo Ryan in in a month and then uh, Guy Ruda two months after that, like it's going to look bad, right? And yep. the the only thing that I'm thinking, if they do that, if they were to go ban Yo Ryan, I'm not saying that I think they will, but if they were to... That sends a clear signal to me that there are more companions coming soon, right? Like, oh, I think I think Maro's tweet pretty much sealed the deal with that. Oh, dude, I didn't see it. What's that? Okay, so the the tweet was another one of the Twitter polls where it was like, players, uh, would you would you like it if mechanics crossed over from set to set and returned? And that was that was a poll that got put out maybe a week ago. And I would absolutely not be surprised at all if in the next standard set there were companion cards. And their thought was, wow, we can make this evergreen and bring some of the commander type love to standard. Um, it just sort of got out of hand in older formats. I, I would be willing to place a bet that they are in the next set. Wow, and we, we've actually I would agree. Go ahead, Connor. With Tom. no, I would just say I would agree with Tom, and that's for that reason. I think if we see the meta warped enough around Yorion and Astrolabe, uh, I think. I mean, my hope, my hope is that the next ban is going to be sooner rather than later, and it's going to be them saying, "Okay, we're axing the mechanic in Eternal formats, and we're banning Astrolabe," and then we actually have a good Legacy format. The problem then is right around that time is going to be another set and given the rate of like extreme power creep in every set, we may not ever have a good legacy format because something else broken will just happen before we can get a meta that people like to play. <laughs> I wish so. I could disagree with you. I really do. Yeah. I can't see. Yeah. So with M19 return to core sets, we saw a lot of cards that were cut from Dominaria, like a lot of night synergy cards. Uh, it wasn't a big deal for legacy. So people might not remember this unless you drafted, but like Paladin of Atonement, stuff like that. And then in the M20, we saw uh, an uncommon and a rare Planeswalker, which was sort of a, a nod to War of the Spark had been the most recent set. So we're seeing a lot of dips back into the spring set in the core set. So if we saw like one or two companions in the, in the core set, it really wouldn't shock me either. And... If they Oh, sorry. I specifically I didn't mean the core set. I meant the next actual like um block setting. Oh gotcha. So not I, I don't I wouldn't be willing to bet a bottle of Jameson that they are in the core set. I think that they're gonna be in the next set block after Akoria. You know, gotcha. What I mean? Yep. Yeah, I would agree with that. So yeah, I guess we'll see how, how far ahead their development cycle is, how quickly they can pump the brakes on that. I'm sure they're looking at the data, right? And probably more at Arena than Moto, but they the uh, if they make a change to the mechanic of Companion, 
that to me would signal that there are more coming, right? Yeah, and honestly, I I don't think that they're going to make a change like that just based off of like the the eternal formats. I think they're really just dialed into what's going on in standard for for arena and uh, in store play whenever that sort of gets back to happening. Um, I think that they're they would be more willing just to axe the entire mechanic in older formats than change what they have planned for standard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that makes the most sense. Like you're, I think they've obviously shown that they're not really testing for legacy anymore. And obviously there's been an outcry from legacy players about the mechanic. And so I think, you know, because they don't care that much, I think they're just going to appease everybody eventually. I don't know when, but eventually they're just going to say, all right, fine. You can't use companions in legacy anymore. Um, and we'll also ban Astrolabe for you. Are you happy? Like that's, it, it seems like that's the attitude from wizards right now about legacy and vintage. It's like, okay, we'll do this stuff eventually when we get around to it. And like, hopefully you're okay with that. And if not, then like, oh, well, we have Arena. <laughs> All right. Before we move forward with this conversation, I just want to real quick ask, what's going on with the ice? Is that you, Tom, or Connor? Are you, are you hitting the bottle right now? Oh, is that that would probably be me. I was just drinking ice water. Sorry oh, ice that. water. All right. I, I didn't know if you were yeah. one of us or, or not. I didn't know what was going well, on. No, not, not, not today. I haven't, haven't heard the bottle pop from anybody other than Ian. I could... <laughs> Yep. You, you I've know, heard it pop a few times for you. Yeah, you know the sound of my bottle popping. <laughs> That's awesome. So, all right, with regard to what you were just saying, there was a ton of community, you know, people talking about Astrolabe, which kind of surprised me, honestly, because I felt like for a while, I felt like we were sort of on an island. There were people that agreed with us, certainly, but it didn't seem like the community at large was, was there with regard to Astrolabe yet when we were really saying it probably had to go and we haven't really yeah, talked we, about it we got we got quite a few comments on twitter like who are these jokers that think think that this card yeah is worthy of consideration compared to veil of summer and oko and Bro, like, I, I just remember this person sending me like oh there's only eight copies in the top 32 this week and i'm like motherfucker it's not <laughs> about how much it wins it's just about the effect it has on the game like it's not a power level ban you know yep. but we, we kind of stopped talking about it, but it seems like in the meantime, the community, and this could be Oko's fault, but it seems like the community's really come around to hating Astrolabe, probably even more than we do at this point. But the community definitely brought this up tomorrow, and anybody who was looking at Twitter, you know, at this space of the Twitter sphere last week. So the fact that they didn't mention it is really curious to me because, like, Astrolabe's not selling packs right now, you know? What do you make of them ignoring it? that uh, they probably have a tendency to not want to admit sort of overall design mistake flaws like that. And since, like you said, it's not a power level ban. It's not that um, Astrolabe is dominating tournaments and anytime somebody plays an Astrolabe, the game is over and it's just so egregiously powerful. It's, it's sort of subtle in its effect on the format. And I don't think they want to acknowledge how many mistakes they've made in the last year or so. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's just my perspective on it. But No, I mean, um, at least it's a coherent theory because I really didn't have one. That's, yeah, that's not, the only way that I could rationalize it. Do you have anything, Connor? I'm not really sure why they're ignoring it. No, I just, I'm not really sure why they're ignoring it as much as they have been. I, I feel like... 
I mean, it's breaking a lot of rules that they've set for the game long term, like the color pie and allowing, you know, like Wasteland is a pillar of the format and it's basically negating a lot of Wasteland's power. And I mean, it just doesn't, I guess they're just, they've made so many mistakes recently that they're just trying to only hit the worst ones. But I feel like the problem has been, you know, they released Breach and that was sort of like, that overshadowed the Oko Astrolabe Uro problem for a while. So then they banned Breach. And then, then we got back to that meta, and then they released Companions, and then everybody was on Companions. Now they ban Loris and Zerda, and we're back to Astrolabe. And so it feels like every time Astrolabe is starting to get too powerful, something else better comes out, and they forget about it. And then they ban that, and then we're back to Astrolabe. So it hasn't really gotten enough time to show them, like, oh yeah, this card is too much for the format, and maybe now it will because of Yorion and because of the fact that it's probably going to be the most played deck, but I'm not really sure. I guess we'll see. Yeah, it feels kind of like, if I had a guess, this and this is like, I'm trying not to get too conspiracy-minded here, but if I had to guess, I would say that it's someone's personal. Like, somebody thought really hard about this, like, how to make legacy more more available to, to people maybe or, or more you know more accessible if people want to play and solve some problems with the game and they said I've, I've designed the most fair card no one will ever complain about this card and it's very subtle but it it'll fix all these problems and somebody's just emotionally invested in the card and people people don't want to ax it because of that if, if I had to say like a you know, some sort of like behind the scenes conspiracy going on here because it doesn't make any sense to me otherwise why they would be ignoring it. It's not selling packs. It's not doing anything good with the exception that we've talked about a lot of reducing the need for dual lands in the format, but at, at what cost, right? You're invalidating wasteland, you're homogenizing decks. So it, it's really, we're, we're really paying for that, right? Yeah, people already know that Legacy's expensive. I mean, it's been that way forever, and it's like, yeah, I guess you could play a deck without duels, but then even the Astrolabe decks have three to five duels in them and a bunch of fetch lands. I mean, that's still, like, quite a bit of money, so I don't really... Like, that That, that doesn't make a ton of sense that they're just saying, oh, well, let's make it cheaper because it's really not making it that much cheaper. And well, if you want to play... about online, though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I and mean, I guess duels are duels don't cost anything online, right? But online, it doesn't paper, make anything cheaper at all. No. Yeah, so I I don't know. I don't really, I don't really get it. But it's not for me to get. I guess I, I at least at least the format isn't because Loris was really not fun. Like that whole time was not a good time. It was probably the worst format I've played since Eldrazi Winter and Modern. To be honest. Um, and so I feel like at least we're not in that anymore. But the whole, I guess my hope is everyone's going to try Yorion decks for a while, but then, like I was saying earlier, stuff like Dredge and Post might be able to keep it in check, and so we're not just going to play Snowco Mirrors all day, but it sort of remains to be seen, I guess. Yeah, and honestly, like when I first heard this announcement, I was I was kind of pumped like to, to think about the meta because... Yorion, I've said this before, it's it's the companion that I enjoyed the most Like when I saw the design of it, because I felt like the downside was reasonable, and it was a five-mana card in this format. I mean, it's a free card, so it doesn't really matter, but not typically something you see played in Legacy, a five-mana creature, right? It does get value, like it has a 
it has basically multiple ETBs if you build your deck correctly. But it's asking for a lot. It's asking for 20 more cards. And it's a five mana card. So like I felt like it was properly balanced. And it's kind of it's kind of sad to me to see this community reaction to it because it's it's the one that I liked and I was excited about brewing with. But people really hate playing against that deck, I guess. It's just not fun. Like, I mean, I play against it a lot. Um, it's just not... It's not necessarily even that it's too good, but it's just the, the, the gameplay is so bland. I mean, it's just like, play my Astrolabes, play my two-mana birds, draw cards, get to turn five with, like, eight Force of Wills in my deck, and then draw, like, five cards and win the game. It's like, all right, cool. I mean, I, I feel like maybe the deck... They might not have to ban Yorion if they ban Astrolabe because it gets worse, but I don't know. I just prefer the whole mechanic to go because I think it's, I just, I, it's like the worst thing they've done, to be honest, in my opinion. Like, <laughs> Phyrexian Mana was close, but I think Companions is, takes the cake. Yeah, that's sort of becoming the prevailing thought in the community, I would say. We saw a lot of people voicing their opinions about it, and a lot of people even saying that they're just going to take a break from Legacy for a while. More people than than we'd even talked about before, because we've been talking about this as a story for a little while now. But I think like Rich Shea was weighing in on it. I saw uh, a few other people. Oh, Callum weighed in on it. Oh, dude, by the way, I played against Callum in a, a Coria draft this week for uh, for the first time, and he's a very nice dude. Uh, very cool guy, but he uh, he thought my screen name was from a show called Limmy's Show, which apparently is like a sketch comedy show in the UK. I'd never seen it. That's not where my screen name is from, but I started watching it. Fucking hilarious, bro. Limmy Show. Check it out if you've never seen it. Now, how does it compare to the state? Not, no, not MTV. even close. Not even in the not same ballpark, but <laughs> I'll give it second place because th- there's so much room between kids in the hall in the state you could drive you, you know you could drive a fucking cyber truck through that through that space so it's somewhere between kids in the hall and the state okay but yeah dude so yeah we saw a lot of people uh the humans dude eddie uh among i don't know the hundreds of people bitching about the coming still still companion format and it's just it sucks man you know it, it really is unfortunate and I, I do wish they'd hit the mechanic it's uh, legacy legacy had so many people that loved the format because of the gameplay and the interactivity and like the seemingly perfect balance of the format i don't want to say maybe perfect balance like there were always some egregious cards like Delver and, and Grizzlebrand were printed and people complained about True Name a lot. But the the effect of these new cards just has soured has just soured people on the format because they feel like nobody cares about it because of all these decisions that are being made. And honestly, like the writing on the wall is they're right. So um Yeah, I don't know where to go from there. I guess what I'm confused about is why hasn't Wizards done what they've done with EDH and just create a committee of legacy people who've just played the format for a long time? Like, put, like, I don't know, like, Thomas and Avoldsen and Rich Shea and, like, uh, Bob Long on, like, a committee together, a bunch of other people, and just have them do it. Have them, like, 
test and dictate and figure things out. I think it, and, if I mean, they if didn't you don't hire, care about it and other people do. If they didn't hire them though, I think that that would end up creating problems because I think that there's a question of authority, right? Like if somebody disagrees, like seriously, severely disagrees. Like I'm thinking of Bryant Cook right now, specifically. If he disagreed with the decision they made, he'd either quit or, or try forking the format into some other ban list. So if it doesn't come out of Watsy directly, I think that it's going to lack the authority, right? So like, like are it does is the commander rules committee like actually employed by wizards? Well, I, I thought that was are. sort of like an independent entity. Well, oh, so they that, are. Well, first of all, so that came up independently of its like that existed before the format existed in Wizards Oz. But okay. also, I'm pretty sure that they are actually employed by Wizards at this point, yeah. Okay. I I was I was unsure of that. Yeah. So so that's sort of that's that's my problem because I have heard a lot of people talk about that recently, Connor. And it just seems to me like it would be fraught with peril when you're putting like the uh you're putting the weight onto a third party and you you did pick i don't remember exactly who you said but i think it was thomas edavoldson and rich shea or something like that you, you picked yeah i was just giving examples of no but you pick people who the community by and large respects right but what yeah. if, you know what about when one of them has like a sort of a a controversy yeah or a dissenting opinion or whatever and and people people it galvanizes the community it, it, it's just i think it's potentially very risky to do that yeah that's fair it's just frustrating the like lack of care that wizards has for legacy i mean i just i go back to the format after they banned death right and then before war of the spark came out and that was around four months that was the best game i've ever played like that format was amazing and I just am afraid we're never going to get something like that back. Bro, whenever... Um, no, I'm not even going to say that. Go ahead. Oh, that's all I had. <laughs> <laughs> no, Now, now we need to know what you were going to say. I was going to say, when I'm jerking off, I need to get over the edge. I just think about that format. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's... I mean... <laughs> There's other probably more appealing things to jerk off to, but whatever floats your boat, Ian. <laughs> well, so I'm usually like I'm usually into like nurse porno, right? But now whenever I see a nurse, I just start standing up and clapping. It's like a reflex from this virus, so it's ruined that for me. Oh, wow. So trying new things. Well, here we are. So, dude, you posted a loam list in this show notes. I just noticed. Yeah, I just because I'm known for the deck, that's the latest the latest list that I'm running after the bands. Yeah, dude. What's with the foils? Uh, I figured you would ask that. You know, I don't know. I foil out all my decks in person and nobody likes foils on moto and I just I'm a contrarian, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and they're cheaper <laughs> usually, right? Yeah, they are and I don't mind how they look and I just I think it's like it's a distraction for opponents. Yes, it is. Hundred percent, so it is. I like because I know so many legacy people are salty about online foils, so I just do it because it's uh, why not? I don't know. Be that guy. I can respect that, bro. So I foil out my decks in paper. Like I mean, I've spent a long time working on legacy stuff, legacy collection. I've always been a foil person, and I just never stopped. So figure I'd carry it digitally too. Nice, dude. Yeah, I used to be that guy. 
but uh, I I got rid of them because we had like a weird weather year, like 2018 or so, and all my foils just warped to shit. So I'm not that guy anymore. Yeah, that can be a problem. I've heard people having that issue. Yeah, dude. At times. So so what what do you want to say about this deck? Uh, I mean, I had a lot of success with Loam, actually, during the uh, Loris era. Uh, I think a lot of people... A lot of people shit on the deck constantly, because if you're somebody that plays Ponder and Brainstorm, it just looks like a pile. Um, but it's... It did really well. I mean, I've, I've played it for a long time. It's a really hard deck to play, because there's just so many, like pieces of interaction and and you have to like sequence correctly and it's very punishing if you don't because the mana is so like it's just very specific in the things that you have to do because the mana is so tight and kind of awkward um but it was really good during that era and i think it's going to be good now like to i've tuned the sideboard to try to beat yorion first and then I figure the meta is going to basically be like Snow Codex with Yorion and then Rug slash Blue Red Delver and then like combo stuff. So like Post, Dredge, Ant, Tess, Sneak. Um, and then I'm, I'm hoping that Loam fits in there somewhere. There's just never that many people who play the deck at a time, but the people who do are all very like dedicated to it. And that's one thing I love about the community is that. Um, people who play Loma are really passionate so we all we have the Facebook page and the Discord and everybody talks to each other and it's active and um, I think that's that's a cool part about Legacy that's that I I love about the format is that you just have people who love a certain deck and stick with it and then everybody gets together and talks about it and um, I think that's like got a little lost on people lately because of all of the overpowered printings but yeah so do you know Justin Lutz I do, yeah, yeah. We I know he's the editor for uh, Leaving a Legacy, and we talk occasionally about the deck, and I know he plays it some as well. Yeah, yeah. No, it looks like a like a a lot of cards that I I like in Loam. Pretty pretty powerful, and not not goofy deck. Like you're not playing any anything silly that I see. Only one Zenith, um, but two Kaya. Right? Is that what that is? Yeah. So that's been my new like tech. That has just been insane. Like, in particular during the Loris era, it was amazing, but I think it's still very good. Um, and it's kind of come out of nowhere. And I, it, like, every time I've played it, like, I played it on the pit and it did really well with it. And I've played it on stream. And it's it's just, it's a lot better than I think it, people would give it credit for. And I feel like there's space for it in other shells too, like maybe an Esper type of deck or some other color combination with Kaya's that isn't Loam, because basically the card does everything. I mean, it hits every one mana or zero mana permanent, so Delver, Hierarch, Vile, zero mana rocks, Astrolabe. It nukes graveyards and keeps Arcanist in check. It exiles Uro, and it's a win condition by itself. Yeah, and I, I know this is less less relevant for Loam, but it's not Red Blastable. And no, it's not. Uh, like, nobody's going to be bringing in Red... Actually... Yeah, they're not bringing in Red Blast against, against this deck, but if you were to play it in like an Esper shell where or um, some sort of four-color Planeswalker-based shell 
Teferi and Oko and most of your other threats are going to get hit by Red Blast, and this sneaks underneath it. Yeah, I'm actually hoping that it doesn't catch on in the Snowco world, because I think it fits into that deck, too. So. Dude, how sad is it that this deck is worried about Red Blast now? Well, no, I don't, I don't think it is. It's a Chalice deck where, like, you only have maybe maybe six cards that get hit by it. No, but, I know, but it's just, yeah. like, this deck playing blue is... It's so sad, really. There's still a red version, and um, it, it, it's quite... I mean, it's fine, too. I just think that you want to be playing Oko. Um, but... I mean, dude, you know, there's still Oko a Goblins goes, deck, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, Goblins is... I love Goblins players, you know? They're like the... They, they're they dedicated. Yeah, but j- just because there's someone out there playing it doesn't mean that they're still a deck, is what I was trying to say, I guess. Oh, that's... Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but... Yeah, I mean, I've, I, I played red for a bit, too... Like during the Loris era, punishing fire is pretty good, and I think it's still viable. But I just think like Leovold is that there's a card that I would mention right now. I think Leovold is like gonna have a shining moment. The card is, seems really good now. It does. I agree with you. So my first question, the obvious question, is why no Urian? Uh, lots of reasons actually. Somebody asked me that on the Discord today. It, it's um, this is not a deck where you want to be playing 80 cards. You have cards like Mox Diamond and Chalice yep. and Leyline that you need to see in the opener. And so adding 20 more cards doesn't really make a ton of sense. And also, you don't have the value. Like, there's nothing in the deck that interacts with it, like, favorably. In Snowco, you have Strix and Coaddle and Snapcaster and Astrolabe um, that all get value out of a Yorion flicker. But here, there isn't. I don't think there's a single card in the current list that would benefit. So. Nah, you passed the test, bro. That was exactly what I was looking for. Is the, the frequency of Mox Diamond Chalice starts right, is. Yeah, you really need that. In my, from the from the seat that I'm usually playing in, which is like a Delver Stoneforge sort of seat. That's the, that's why this deck is so hard to play against, like so hard to sideboard against, because, Chalice games are so different than straight up mid range games against this deck, and you get pulled in two different directions with regards to like your counter magic and stuff like that, like Spell Pierce, Force of Will, Force of Negation, cards you don't really want against this deck post-war, but you need to have because of the Chalice check. So I think that so much of this deck's power comes from its turn one plays. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think there's an argument that some people have made in the past where people have said, you know, the deck is terrible if you don't draw Mox Diamond in the opener. And I don't think that's true, but I do think that um, my win percentage, I mean, I've never calculated this, but my win percentage with Mox Diamond in my opener is just, like, pretty insane. Yeah, that part's definitely true, and I think that a lot of a lot of the power of the deck comes from people having to be afraid of, of Chalice, like, if they know you're playing it or, or in game two or three. Like, the, the potential for what you can do with this deck, like, people are like, okay, I need to have a plow for the Bob and a way to answer the Chalice and a way to, to answer Leovold and not get Loam locked. Like, there's too many directions to have to play around in the post-board games that you can you can drive someone mad if you're if you're skilled with this deck and, you know, especially in paper where you can sort of bluff and, and I don't want to get yelled at again because people say you can bluff online, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, yeah. this deck really rewards the uh, intimidation factor, let's call it. Yeah, and it's also, like, one that rewards a lot of play. Uh, um, 
I've played it for a long time, and I'm still I still make mistakes all the time. But it, the deck's just so hard to play correctly, and I learned from. I mean, I always shout them out like pretty much every time I can get a minute. But I've learned I learned from Matt Soleil, who's in my opinion one of the best legacy players in the world, and and he his deck is Loam, and um, I I watched tons of his streams before I started or like as I was starting, and I tried to emulate my sideboarding and play style after him. He doesn't play as often, like he'll play on and off. He was actually the guest for Leaving a Legacy last week. Um, but he's, him and Matthew Vuk are the other two yeah. stalwarts yeah. that I model play after and respect a lot. Um, and so that's what's cool about it is you have this, like that's what I love about Legacy and that's what I wish we could bring back. You know, people like, I feel like for such a, for a while now we've just had people complaining and wanting it to be different and being upset with new printings and i just like i want to get back to what makes legacy so great which is like the communities for a deck and the fact that the decks are always around and they have these leaders that you know are innovating and um talking to each other and like the social aspect of being passionate about a given deck i mean that's like why we play the format right i guess that's what's different about it than any other format and i i guess i, I feel like that that's what we need to get back yeah, absolutely. I I miss that with Bant so much, and that's actually like when I when I I don't want to say really started to get into the format because I was into it before that, but that's when I started to meet a lot more people that played, and um, I know that time that time is long gone, but I have I have dreams about that format just like Ian does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just I miss you know that's why that's what why decks like goblins are so cool i mean goblins has been around forever and it just has these loyalists who are constantly trying things and innovating and doing different stuff and like never giving up on the deck and like that's what you love about legacy and i feel like man i wish we could just get six months where they don't print something insane so we could just like chill and play like a good format again and and like talk to each other and have discussions be related around like card choices and cool things you did during a match and like who you're meeting and who you're sitting across the table from not like oh they need to ban this card still oh this card's too busted you know and i feel like that's all it's been for a while yeah I, and i it did kind of bother me a little bit today even though i'm on the, the astrolabe train there was it seemed like an undue amount of negativity on a day when we're losing Luris and zidra which i feel like is a positive like a net positive because they didn't ban astrolabe and like yes, it's frustrating for me too, but I am looking forward to seeing where this format goes. I I do think that among the decks you listed earlier, Connor, I think I think Dredge, which you said, I think Black Red would be at least fifty percent against the Yoko Snow deck. Yeah, I think that yep. the the Show and Tell family of decks would have between good and very good matchups against that deck. I think Tess has legs. I think that there are and maybe these decks don't fit into your 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 line of sight or like you, you don't want to be playing these decks. I think blue red delver, rug delver with stifles even could could really have their way with this with this Yoko Snow deck if it were that good, right? But that's not what the meta is going to be after the first week. It's going to turn into some uh some derivative of of that first response, right? And I'm not ready to say where that's going to go, but I, I'm willing to see. Before I complain about the format, I just want to see what happens because I do think that 
this this Orion snow deck is nowhere near the oppressive level of Alurus or or even potentially a Zerda deck when other people played it. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that, and I I at least think that like I mean today I played six matches on Moto and it was Dredge twice, Elves twice, Infect, and the Lone Mirror. So I didn't even see Orion yet. So I think there's also something to be said. Like, of course, you're going to have, like, dedicated Snowco players. But I think there's a lot of people who just, like, don't want to touch Astrolabe because it's annoying. Yeah. And so you may not see it as much as you think online. That's a good point. I don't think about that because I like playing those kind of decks. But there are people who don't. Absolutely. Same thing I said about Zerda, but in the opposite direction. So that's a good point. Tom, will you have any meta predictions coming up? Well, I, I think that we're all in the same boat, that that four-color snow control deck is going to be the deck to start with. Yeah. I I wasn't really thinking about Dredge as an answer to that because of the 80 cards really cutting down on sideboarding consistency. I, I don't know... I don't know exactly how much that's going to matter when really you're just loading up the extra 20 cards with like extra cantrips, but it could it could slow the deck down a turn in finding its its sideboard cards. Um, I also wasn't really thinking about post as an answer to that either. So I think that it's really going to be um, starting with that four color deck and then seeing if anything new comes out. So um, I don't know what I'd be playing week one. If I was playing a large tournament coming out of these bands right now, uh, I think that I would just pick up the snow deck and then watch as everything sort of develops. Do you think there's going to be room for Stoneforge now? No, I still don't. I'm wondering... I still think that, like... Like, what in what type of shells? In a Yo-Ryan shell, sorry. Specifically in a Yo-Ryan shell. Oh, you mean like just throwing in a Stoneforge package into the 80-card shell? Yeah. Uh, okay. No, I could I could see that. It's it's not... I don't I don't know if a Stoneforge shell is really where it wants to be. It's obviously a value creature. It's a two-drop. It fits well with the color combination of the deck. Um, the equipment package works well with all of your, your birds. Yeah. Um, but... I'm not exactly sure what those extra 20 cards are going to be. I want most of them to be cantrips. Uh, I probably want to add a few more threats. Preferably threats that are not um, susceptible to Red Blast. So Stoneforge might actually fit there. Yeah. I like like that idea now that that we talk through it. Yeah, I've been fucking with some lists trying to figure it out. uh, But I don't have anything that I'm I'm in love with yet. So I just was curious to get your feedback the other uh companion i've been thinking a little bit about is lutri because you know in vintage we've seen a couple lutri lists pop up and people have been joking about this for years now where the restricted list just gets larger and larger and eventually people are just going to be playing all restricted decks right is is the sort of the joke in vintage because yeah you're playing it's going to be the most powerful cards 20 to 30 restricted cards generally yeah so with the exception of the mana base so Lutri kind of really fits that vintage shell uh, or restricted list sort of pattern really well. But with Legacy, what we're seeing now is redundant copies of cards being added, like with the Strixes we were talking about earlier, or Force of Negation. We've been talking about this for a long time, but basically uh, we have two to three copies of each kind of effect 
and we saw someone do this with rug recently with like a rug lutri deck i wonder Where how they just played the one uh, the one of everything yeah and it didn't look like the most tuned list or anything but i wonder if there's a lutri shell out there too I actually brewed, before the bannings, I brewed a Lutri Jeskai Prowess build that was actually pretty solid. And I was playing, like, Monastery Mentor and Pyromancer and Sprite Dragon and Arcanist. And I added, like, extra burn spells, like Boros Charm and Lightning Helix and Jeskai Charm. And then I was also playing Rael, which is that new, like, three-drop. Yeah, I like that one. When you discard cards, you draw cards. So I was playing that and, like, Faithless Looting and Careful Study and then yes. Dax Fade In. And uh, it was it was actually pretty good. It, I, I had there was a lot of different synergies in the deck. Um, the thing I found that was really hard. I was playing it like a like a Delver mana base with wastelands and stuff, trying to go tempo. But I think the hard part with Lutri is that it requires a lot of mana to play Lutri and get a payoff because yeah. you've got to like cast it and cast a spell. Yeah. And so it's really not a three mana card. It's like a five mana card. Yeah, four, and I think four to five for sure. Yeah, I think that's that's like the hardest part about it but the deck was fun and i think there's definitely something there the other issue with that card is that you just don't get like you can't play four force of will right it's you know, like one force of will one force of negation and you're forced to play weaker counter spells and so i think that's like kind of an issue is that you like the all one of things makes the deck less consistent but also it, it was pretty fun to play so yeah yeah because you get that variance aspect, like every match that you're playing is different because you don't know what you're drawing. And the other, I think the biggest advantage you get out of the card is that your opponent has no idea what's going on. Yes. Yep. Like one one game, you're you're uh, dacking them out, and other games you're playing like sort of like a like a tempo shell. I, I. It's that Tom Cairns effect. Yeah, I mean, I I love that it makes the deck more fun to play, but. I I think that I think that the best way to go is to just load up on more consistent effects and the one of thing interesting and fun. I don't know if that's where I would want to start. Yeah. I th- I think there's some other companions that have like potential merit. Like I know Mark Strassman who's a very good Maverick player put together this four color Jengatha Maverick build that I think is pretty good with like uh it was no black so it had punishing fire and plows and then Oko as well, yeah, and then Jengatha, and that that seemed like it was pretty decent. Um, getting a free five five that adds mana uh, is not bad. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's a five five. We've talked about this a little bit. It's it's low impact, but it's better than nothing. Yeah, it's an eighth card. So, yeah. and what are you giving if, up? If, what what's the what's the biggest thing you're giving up in Maverick? Like Council's Judgment. Like what what's the biggest double colored spell that they would play? I guess Judgment or Questing Beast. Questing Beast, yeah, sure. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, it already fits with the shell as it is. There's not a lot of... I mean, most of the stuff you're playing in Maverick is, like, single green or green-white, so... It's such a goddamn abomination that Plague Engineer is two in a black instead of one black black. Yeah, yeah you can just I play know. it in any shell now. Yeah. Ugh. So, yeah, the... I actually... I'm one of the people that thinks that Plague Engineer, I'm, I, I'm actually happy it was printed. I know there's a lot of people that hate it, but I think that we needed something like that. I mean, it's nice to have a card that you can fit in a lot of different shells that deals with go-wide strategies. Um, so I, I think that fine, that card is fine to exist. I don't know. I, I feel like it, it would have been less egregious if it was symmetric. 
there. Oh, that's yeah, fair. It really should. Yeah, be I, I feel like the the symmetry breaking of that card is just. I don't know. That's what pushed it over the edge to me. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, I think that's an issue, just in general. I don't know why they they decided to do that with with certain cards like Narset and Karn and stuff. But um, I mean, I I guess I just don't think Engineer is like super overpowering because I've definitely played against Elves. And landed an engineer and then just lost to progenitus anyway so it's not like those kinds of decks can can't beat the card yep i was really i was really hoping to draw one against elves on friday night that's for sure oh did you lose to elves i did and i had three i had three chances to rip um so yeah. i i lost to elves uh, there's another deck i think elves is still really good like that car i mean Newman won a qualifier, like a PTQ with Elves, um, and I just, I mean, the the good Elves pilots are still, like, going to clean up in this meta, so. Yeah, potentially. I mean, we'll see how many Terminus Supreme Verdict effects the Orion decks end up playing, right? Like, where the meta ends up landing, but I, I don't feel like it's going to be that creature-heavy of a meta, so Elves is probably still a good call. Yeah, and I think most of the Orion decks are not going to play Terminus, right? Like, they're probably just going to be, like, Snowco value decks. Probably, have, yeah. Have, like, Dead of Winter as the sweeper, is my guess. But, um, you know, Elves can still fight through that a lot of the time. Dude, I've been seeing so many 1s and 2s Dead of Winters in the Orion decks, and I'm just like, God, why isn't that 3 or 4? Because, like... Yeah, I would certainly play 3 at least. For 2 and a black, like, if, if you have to use it on a single creature, like, if, if you're that worried about the creature... It's probably a three drop at least, so you're not even trading down on mana. So it just seems like you'd want as many of those cards as you could get. Like Dead of Winter is just so powerful. Yeah, card is insane, and I've certainly lost to it many times. It really is, man. It's hard to play around it too because it's it's a three drop, and you you know, like as a lone pilot, I I try to like hold back threats, but. You know, if I have a Bob out, usually I'll want to play like a Knight or a Leo in addition, and and then you know, just get dead wintered and it sucks. But it's hard to win a game where you just like sit there with your single Bob the whole time. So you kind of have to play into it to some degree. Yeah, for sure. I actually saw that. At match. least Knight Knight has a little protection against it. Like it's, I guess I'm not exactly sure how big the Knights get early, but it's unlikely that they're going to be able to kill a Knight with a dead of winter, right? It's close. I mean, you'd be surprised. They can go like three to four Snowlands and Astrolabe and a Coatl, and then suddenly it's like five or six for Dead of Winter. Okay, I can I can see it. Yeah, that's probably something you at least have to keep in mind, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's it's definitely one of the best cards in the matchup. Um, but then post board, I end up taking out Knights, and that's why you see in my list I have like Ashiok and Jace yeah. on the board. Like, I'm trying, you, with Loam, you take out Knights, and then you try to beat them with just a ton of Planeswalkers. So, Oko, Kaya, Ashiok, Jace, Uro, like, value cards, Uro, Library, Leobold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool, man. I like where you're starting. So, so how much better does, does Leobold get in a meta that we are predicting is going to exist? Like... Four color, four color, eighty card control. Leovold seems really good against that shell. Yeah, I think Leovold and Narset are like at all time highs right now, and I think any deck like Delver should be jamming Narsets, and like any deck in Bug Colors should be jamming one to two Leovolds for sure. 
Yeah, that always leads me to thinking about the cards that draw without drawing, too. Like, you know, your Dark Confidants and Snapcaster Mages. And even, like, Ice Fang Coatl kind of gets around it by drawing on their turn. Yeah, that's true. But it's still, like, really good. I mean, it's cutting off Astrolabe and all the cantrips. Oh, yeah, and yeah. And... No, it's very and... good. I just, I'm thinking about building around it already. I'm just also glad that, like, Dover decks aren't going to run Caracas anymore, because that was, like, <laughs> Like, why are we having... It's just, like, when Dover decks ran, like, the Wasteland lock. It's, like, just doesn't make any sense for that deck. Yeah, I didn't like that either, for what it's worth. So, yeah, going back to something you guys were talking about earlier that I was trying to forestall the conversation about, but this sort of theory where or not theory but just feeling i guess this malaise in the community where every set we, we're getting these cards that break the format whether it's underworld breach or oko or uro or astrolabe you know just these not not break the format necessarily but really reinvent the format and shift the paradigms of which decks are playable and stuff uh how how do you see that ending like do, do you think that that there's even a possibility that that can end soon? Or do you think that the design's already done so far in advance that we're kind of stuck with this? I think we're probably stuck with it for a few years because of the design philosophy. But, I mean, to be fair, it, it was happening before. It just wasn't happening at such a breakneck pace. Like, uh, when they introduced Commander decks to the format, at the beginning... I thought it was outstanding. They gave us, like, really nice tools, but not super broken cards. Like, I remember the first one had Flusterstorm and Scavenging Ooze, and I yeah. felt like those were perfect additions to older formats. Like, they were role players, they weren't super busted cards, and then they kind of screwed it up by printing True Name, and it's almost like now every set there is a format warping card like True Name coming out, and I think that's probably like a purposeful design feature, and I don't I don't know if we're seeing the end for that for a while. Yeah, it, it sucks because I I feel like they know right they know that like uh, new cards are are like boobs right like they're for the kids but the dads are gonna end up playing with them. So they like they're they're you're, really you're absolutely I you're absolutely on fire tonight. Yeah, that is wow, <laughs> bro. You have to label... Well, wait, hold on. You have to label this episode NSFW, but is that a... If, if we don't have jobs, is it still NSFW or not? Uh, Not safe for family listening at home quarantine. There we Can go. Can we abbreviate that? No, well, I'm going to... Whatever Figure letters that goes out. on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, NSFW. But, like, do, I do feel like they're... They know that we're going to be playing with these cards, right? Like... It does seem to be getting more traction in the community, so I don't feel like such an asshole saying this anymore, but it does feel like they're selling it to us, right? Yeah, How like they're purposeful additions to say, all right, we have this market of players that doesn't usually buy new cards. What can we put in here to make sure we get a little bit of that market? So yeah, Tom, I know I know we're on the same page with this. Connor, you seem more like... Um, like a good like a good kid honestly do you <laughs> do you ascribe to this this evil theory of ours or no this late stage magic theory this is this thing i invented today late stage magic 
I mean, to some degree, like, Wizards is a corporation, right? Like, at the end of the day, they're trying to sell things and make money and get profit. And and that's that's what they're doing. That's what Arena's for. And But I, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know that I subscribe to that completely. I mean, I guess my hope is that we're, the next set's a corset, right? So, um, I mean, my dream is that they say, like, we, we have this Snowco format for two months. My dream is that they say, after that, they say, all right. We're done with companions, and we'll throw away Astrolabe. Like you should be happy now. Have your format, and then they release a core set, and maybe we get some like a nice breather. I don't know, because usually core sets don't have anything super insane. Maybe usually. a nice goblin. Maybe yeah. a nice playable goblin. <laughs> that would be good. And that's and that's or like it. a white card because D and T people are just so upset all the time that they'd never get anything. <sighs> I mean, I'm a DNT player too, Tom. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I, uh, I just, know. I love, I love playing it. I know it's usually never the best choice, but that's that's the type of magic that I enjoy playing. Like, no, and I, me too. Throw in some some force of wills and dazes, maybe like a blue white death and taxes. Uh, that's that's what I'm all about. But I mean, my theory, my theory on legacy is like death and taxes is legacy format police. If death and taxes is good. Or like tier one, tier two, then I think legacy is in a healthy spot. When it's like unplayable, that's when you have problems, and I feel like that's usually my gauge for the format. Yeah, I think that's a very good gauge. Very good. I, I don't. I want to go back. I don't know if you're being serious or not with regard to death and taxes. That comment was that like tongue in cheek because they get a card in every I, set. I felt like it. It must have been. Yeah, no, I was just, I mean, I, I was like mostly tongue-in-cheek, but a little bit serious in the sense that I know a lot of Death and Taxes players, and I'm friends with some, and I've also like played it as a secondary deck for a while now, and um, I just, a lot of people are like constantly upset that it, white just seems to get shafted every set, and I think that there's some degree of truth to that. Yeah, like I they, they, really they don't, try, like, they try a lot, like they tr- the new Hate Bear that got printed. Which is um, terrible. Yeah, you well, and really <laughs> likes it, and yeah, really likes it. Um, but yeah, they and actually before before this whole sort of like like year and a half long cycle of shenanigans, they were actually printing like a very very decent death and taxes esque card in almost every every supplementary set that was coming out. So yeah, I mean the conspiracy was the last time, right? Because we got recruiter and prelate, and that was huge. Yep. Like changed the deck, but since then it's been kind of like not that much, not that many additions. To, what to the year deck, was but... that conspiracy? Was oh, that twenty eighteen that... or twenty seventeen? I'm so old. No, I, I feel remember. like they 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 existed before we started the cast, right? When did we start? Did we start the cast in twenty seventeen? No, it was twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen. Okay. Okay, wait. What year is it now? It's twenty twenty. Yep, we're good. We're good. Sorry, I had to do some math. So I think that I think that that conspiracy set was early twenty eighteen. Yeah, I'm okay. not positive, but I think so. So yeah, I think that basically that's sort of like the convergence of memes. And Connor, I'm gonna need you to take a firmer stance on this. I'm sorry, we gotta go back to this again. Because there's like the white doesn't get any good cards question of like <laughs> that you know white's getting shafted every set and then there's death and taxes gets a card every set so you need to commit man which side are you which side are you on you can't you can't do this 
what half half in the pool, half out of the pool thing. I don't I don't think White gets enough cards. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Death Attacks gets enough cards every set. Gotcha. Uh, I would take that stance. Okay, I feel like I, I like, I feel like it's been pretty slim pickings lately, and it just gets shafted by things that are printed like Oko, um, and then Loris. Yeah, and it's still unplayable because Yorion. So like, I I would like the deck to be good again. I really enjoy playing D and T as like my second deck when I don't want to play Loam over and over again. Um, it's Tom's second deck then, too behind Burn, I think. Yeah, that's yeah. What, I won. I won a Burn esque mirror. Dude, that was uh, sick. That was the last match I watched. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember seeing that. That was really uh, sick. Yeah, that was fun to play. Like, Con- yeah, go ahead. Oh, I can't. I can't remember what I was gonna say. But flipping that mountain, I was kind of pumped on. Yeah, it was also, sick. Yeah, I feel like so. Maybe this is just playing magic over webcams when like you are the last person to touch your deck. But I legitimately felt bad that I named like the card that flipped with predict when I was playing Doomsday. <laughs> I saw. Like that. I felt like I felt bad that I got to draw two cards because. My opponent didn't get to touch my deck. Like, that That definitely happened. What Rich does, I think this is pretty cool. What Rich does, he cuts his deck into three piles and tells his opponent to pick a number. And he puts that one on top. That's that's really nice. Yeah. I've, I've tried to adopt that when there's, like, a situation like that. Like, a, a high-pressure mm-hmm. high situation or the start of a game. Like, not every fetch land, but, you know, when it really matters, I, I tend to do that. I got you. That that is a good workaround. Leave it to Rich, right? The password, uh, the password hacker, scholar guy. The the Atog Lord. Yeah. I honestly, I I almost quote tweeted that because it was perfect. <laughs> um, but we are we are big fans of Rich Shay. Yeah, I that such a great guy, dude. With like... the new homeowner, Rich Shay, by the way. I his house is oh man it's fucking sick isn't it I wish I wish I wasn't a teacher so I could afford <laughs> nice things in life like seeing seeing everybody else's houses and me being like I I live in Lynn not, not that there's anything wrong with living in Lynn I, I'm gonna have to edit that out of the cast no that's go ahead that's the main I mean I was just gonna say that's the main reason that I love Legacy and that I haven't like just picked up another hobby. It's like, oh, look at how many cool people there are that play Legacy. Like, how many, like, nice people, people that you just want to talk to or hang out with. Like, Rich Say is one of them. And I can just, like, go on and on with the number of people I've met throughout the last couple of years getting more involved in Legacy and the community and playing Loam. And it's just, like, it's sad. This whole thing is sad that people are starting to shy away from the game. And yeah. it's... I guess you can still play a lot of Legacy Online, but with yeah. Magic Online, or sorry, Magic Arena, not really going to be able to support it. Like local game stores are sort of sort of really in trouble with not only like the whole COVID thing, but with Wizards' business practices moving forward. Like the the support for Legacy has just been dwindling and dwindling and, and dwindling, and it's. I'm worried about where it's going to go, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I think it's very much dependent on LGS. I'm lucky, like, I live in Seattle, and Seattle has, like, a such a great legacy community. I mean, we have Mox Boarding House. We have a ton of great legacy players. It's big here. It always has been. 
tournaments are pretty frequent, like 1Ks, 3Ks. Um, and it just, like, I'm lucky to be in the city. So I feel like a lot of that is dependent on local scene. And I don't think that's going to die, right? Like, there's too many people in Seattle who are passionate about the format that once we're able to go back into stores, I feel like it's just going to go right back to what we were doing. But I just don't know about legacy on, like, a countrywide or worldwide scale. I mean, I think it's always going to survive locally depending on you know how many passionate people there are but as long as I don't know as long as Jordan Ayasaka is still alive Seattle legacy will not die yeah exactly that and we just we have so many I've cast for for card kingdom a couple times and it's a great time uh, casting with my buddy Jake and like it's just I think it's really it's cool to be a part of that here and I just I know that East Coast has a great legacy scene too like Boston area. Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, yeah, rip. Don't forget Cleveland. <laughs> so oh, yeah, that's right. So you mentioned uh, you know, the reason you hadn't left for another hobby. So if you're gonna leave for another hobby, what would that be, Connor? Uh, I don't know. I've played Magic for uh, competitively for like twelve years now. So it's hard to imagine picking up another hobby. I have so much invested in my collection too. Um, I don't know. I mean, I do. I do other stuff. I love poker. That's like my one true game, really. Yeah. I used to play a lot of poker. Um, I've played tournaments in Vegas and stuff. Sweet. I, uh, I still play video games. I'm a huge film buff, so like I've got enough. I'm an exercise junkie, so I have enough things that I I occupy myself with other than magic, but. I just magic. What's so cool about it is like it's it's a game that you never feel like you can master. It's always pushing you to get better. It's a social game, so you're always meeting cool people. It's a card game, so you get the feel of playing with cards and collecting. The art is always beautiful. Like Wizards doesn't ever mess that up, in my opinion. The art, like sometimes it's up and down, but really, like it's there's no comparison for any other card game. And I don't know. I just like. I can't imagine myself stopping, but at the same time, I've certainly come close recently. Yeah, it's a story we keep hearing. I've definitely scaled back how yeah. much, like, how how invested I am. And most of that was due to, like, just my actual life, not any any frustrations with the game. It's just sort of, like, my my natural time to be able to commit to it sort of dropped. But, um... I can't imagine putting the game down forever. I I took a really long break where I thought that I was going to be done and then eventually just ended up sort of like drifting back into it and realizing how much I missed it. So I, I think if there was ever like a long break that I took again, I, I would end up getting back into it eventually and, and really enjoying it. So I think, yeah, I think I mean... I'm with it with it for life. There's certainly like some times where I'll take three, four month breaks and it feels good to step away and do other stuff. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm somebody with a disability and they're like one of the, one of the things I love about the game the most is like more than any other thing I've done, it, there's just no judgment. Like when you sit down and play legacy in particular with somebody in paper, it's like you're. They're not looking at you because you're different. They don't give a shit what you look like or who you are. They just want to, like, hang out and play this game that you both really like playing. And I've just never found that in anything else. So I really... I've appreciated that about the community. I've never been 
judged or questioned or looked at differently by anybody because I think there's like a real level of acceptance and and I think that's the stuff that I wish we would focus on not just like let's ban these cards and I'm certainly you know I'm I'm being a bit hypocritical here because I join in the I'm annoyed uh, conversations but I just feel like we need to get back to that community style thing and the, the acceptance and the um, meeting people and getting to know people for who they are face value and it just I, I just don't find that in that many other things that was really great man that that little soliloquy I enjoyed that a lot that that's a great point I think that you just made yeah it's well it's just because I'm, I'm a passionate person in general and you know I mean I'll say it here I've had issues with like salt and stuff on moto before and I'm working on it because and that's all just do because I'm like I'm very passionate and I'm very competitive and you know when I love something I go full on 100% because I've had to and that's just Bro, do you ever feel oh, like the been. salt is actually the salter's fault? Or the, the, the salty's fault? Sometimes, yeah, but I've certainly gone overboard in the past and I've and I've regretted it and I've had some hits to my reputation and it sucks because I'm generally a very like nice person. Yeah, you seem like such very... a chill dude. But like I I am I personally normally, but... I never salt on my opponents, but also I fucking love when my opponents salt at me. It's like it makes my day as long as they don't time out. <laughs> Like, timing out pisses me off. Yeah. but Well, I would like to take this opportunity to just apologize to everybody I've done it to, <laughs> and I'm trying to make sure that I get better at it. And it's it's all just due to, to, like, competitiveness and love for the game, and it comes out too harshly because you have the safety of your computer screen. Um, stuff that I would never do in person, but, you know, when you're sitting at home, you take shit out on a keyboard and... Then you regret it later. Well, I'm the I'm the rare person, then I guess will say that I do appreciate it because it just adds so much flavor to the match, and it gives me like a good belly laugh when somebody's really going off. Like <laughs> that's that's true. Because yeah. in my opinion, like it it's just so silly. Like we're played. Like you agreed to play this match. Whatever you were doing in your life, like you you wanted to sit down and play this match. So you you can't act like there's something else you have going on that's better or whatever. You know what I mean? Like you're very humbled by the experience of playing this fucking program from, you know, 2001 or whatever, this format that nobody (laughs) gives a fuck about, like 300 people in the whole world give a shit and you're going to like (laughs) salt off. So it just like makes my fucking night when that happens. So I I don't know. Personally, I appreciate it. I think people need to get thicker skin, but that's, that's been my trip for like 35 years now. So yeah, that's true. It is It is a little bit... It's silly. Like, you just get so wrapped up in it and you forget <laughs> yeah. perspective, I think, you know? Um, and it's also just been a weird time, right? Like, I had some I had some pretty severe injuries back in October that I took a while to heal from. Oh. And, then, um, and then the quarantine thing and the virus and I had to drop out of school. And so, like, oh, I just had a lot of time to play Magic. And it's that thing that I've found that's like kept my focus and kept my attention and, you know, sort of, um, maintain my life and keep me from being, getting too depressed in a year that's sort of been an off year for me. And I feel like there's a lot of value in that. And I think that we take that for granted sometimes when we sort of focus in on the format and then start complaining and it's like, well, at least we have this thing we can do that, we can focus on that is you know other some other people care about that like takes up your time and 
I don't know. I mean, I'm grateful for the game overall, but I, I certainly wish that Wizards would remember... Um, it's like Reed Duke said, because obviously Reed Duke is like the hero of the game, and, and he was basically saying, like, this is the thing you have over every other game, is the don't forget, like, yeah. all the passionate people that have been with you for 25 years, you know? And, like, that's... I just wish that Wizards would, like, stop and be more considerate... Yeah, maybe maybe Thanksgiving dinner at the Duke household. <laughs> yeah, that conversation seriously. should come up. <laughs> yeah, what a what a guy. Let me tell you what that guy is. Uh, we're so much better with him. I think it's so funny that you're considered like this salty guy, Connor, because you've had so many white pills on this cast so far, like so many inspiring comments. <laughs> I, I really appreciated it, man. Like I think you've, yeah, you've got some course, really I, good takes. I just hope I'm not like talking too much. I have a habit of going on, but no, well, you, I don't know. you absolutely are not. I, I don't think so at all now. But uh, well, I appreciate that. It's like it's really been great to be here. I I listen to you guys' cast every week without fail when I'm driving or doing whatever. Wake up in the morning, and it's uh, it's just cool because I think you're both like fun guys to listen to, and and like being able to have that consistency every week. It's been my favorite podcast for a long time, and so I, I'm I'm super happy to be here. So thanks for having me on. Rock and roll. We'll definitely have you back on, man. This has been a blast, honestly. And uh, maybe we'll have uh, have like a real review show or whatever, like a uh, what do you call it? Results. I'm I'm pretty buzzed. Right like, like an actual like an actual show. Like a real show, yeah. Although this these shows are like, awesome we, too. Where we go over meta stuff. Yeah, dude. Whatever. Yeah. And get- yeah, let me just say that like the other night I five owed with a like a my own like four color no black Delver list with Loris and that deck was a blast to play. Loris was obviously offensive, but I had fun playing that deck. Sounds pretty sweet. What was the what was the primary three colors? It was uh, well, it was red, green, white, blue. So it had like I just played four Goy, four Arcanist, four Delver, but then you got swords and bolt too oh and you had like sideboard veils and sylvan library and then all the Luris stuff um damn dude felt pretty great I, w- I went like 11 and 2 12 and 2 with that deck before the bannings and no astrolabe or anything just bad. just hella greedy nope just this four color delver mana base but it worked because white was in the deck instead of black so it was easier to cast Luris because right. you had like caracas too but yeah um Oh, interesting, man. That that is pretty cool. Maybe we'll go back and highlight that list. Yeah, if I play blue, it's usually like some kind of Delver variant because I just don't. Let me tell you, I, I just let me just complain for a second about how much I hate losing to miracles or any type of miracles <laughs> variant or any type of control deck. I can't stand it, and I will never play them. It's the they worst. Always, it's the worst they always in the have world the force. when you hit like turn four or five and they've already played a few value cards and you're like there's very little chance i win this game but it's gonna last another 25 minutes yeah exactly and they always have the force in like the early turns (laughs) they 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 force my first thing they force my second thing and then like you know what really gets me i think the most the thing that salts me the most in magic period is when Miracles players top deck Terminus without setting it up, I get so upset. (laughs) 
Because I'm just like, you didn't do anything to do that. You didn't work for that. You just ripped it. And now I have no creatures for one mana. Yeah, but they lose their snapcasters, bro. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right back into their They get deck. shuffled back they in their get... library. It's really bad for them. Yeah, so bad. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been a very enjoyable episode. You guys good to wrap? Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, bro. Tom, you good? Yeah, we, no, we gotta do the we gotta do the outro, Ian. I know What's I know the... that your bottle of Jameson has already done the outro, but how can people Connor, how can people find you if they want to get in touch with you? Alright, I am Lomerboy on Twitch, I am Lomerboy on the Discord world. Um, my you can always look me up on Facebook and add me as a friend. I'm normally a friendly guy. Um, flying whales on moto and i don't have twitter because i never want to touch that universe it's probably good for you yeah and um, where and that's about it where can people find you if they want to get suggestions <laughs> for um for good nurse porn <laughs> uh at ian1825 on twitter uh, deadformatcast at gmail.com if you want to send an email to the podcast we we haven't gotten many lately so hit it up tom People want to hit uh, you, you up. Find me at T Smiley MTG. People want to buy a play and, mat uh, from you. And if you if you want to see if you want to see me play some medium magic, you can check out the VOD uh, at the Legacy Pit. That might be up on YouTube. It might not. Um, but I had a blast being there, so I want to thank Travis and the Legacy Pit guys again. And you can find the cast at Dead Format Cast on Twitter. Um, and I won't say my my wife's Twitter account, but you know that I'm using all three of them. <laughs> to, uh, to like to like my own posts yeah just real quick i was a guest i think two before tom on the legacy pit yep. and i had a great time so also thanks to travis there i think they're doing a really cool thing with all that and uh it was great to be on there bro i was really disappointed Alyssa didn't get a match when you were on the pit tom well so she she came in to yell at me because i was too loud oh. and my office is right next to my kids room and uh i was like hey c- come here read this and she's like, oh, hell no. And she turned around and walked away. <laughs> I, was, I was trying. I was trying. I was getting people riled up. Bro, whoever Ape of Justice is, guy's a fucking hero. Yep. Big yeah, fan. Yeah, if you were in our Patreon Discord, um, y- you could talk to him. Allegedly. He was the one who gave me the Doomsday list. Allegedly. A, uh... the rundown with the piles. So. Oh, wow. Yep. Yeah. Which big, I definitely had fan, to consult during the match. Yeah. And I just real quick, I want to shout out all the new legacy players and everybody who's trying to get into the format because honestly, like, you're the people that are keeping this shit alive. You hear that, Kramer? That's for you.